Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5. I just believe that today is going to be a day of miracles. I sense God has something supernatural for us today. In fact, I want to do my best to to teach this uh, as quickly as I can so we can have some margin at the end of service to pray for people. Um, Because I believe that some of you are in a desperate situation. Some of you need the hand of God. Some of you need a fresh touch from the Lord. And I want to talk to you about miracles today. I want to talk to you about miracles out of 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5. As you're turning there, let me read this to you. A Christian woman was on a plane. She was reading her Bible. The man sitting next to her said, you don't really believe all that stuff in there, do you? She said, well, of course I do. It's the Bible. He said, well, what about that guy that was swallowed by a whale? She said, oh, you mean Jonah? Yeah, I I believe it. I believe that too. He said, how could that dude possibly survive all that time inside of a whale? She thought about it for a moment. She said, you know, I don't know. But when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask him. He said cynically, well, what if he didn't make it to heaven? She said, I guess you can ask him then. (laughs) Come on, don't mess with a woman who knows this book. Can I have a good amen? Second Kings chapter 5, I want to talk to you about miracles. Somebody say miracles. How many of you still believe that God works miracles? Today is going to be a faith-building day because we live in a cynical world. Can I have a good amen? There is doubt and cynicism, skepticism everywhere, everywhere you look. Even in some realms of modern theology, some scholars say, and I don't know if you've heard this or not, some scholars say that the day of miracles is over. How many of you have heard that? Yeah, I mean, some people are so smart, they're like smarter than God. The day of miracles is over? (laughs) Somebody forgot to tell Jesus, right? Apparently, they didn't inform Jesus that the day of miracles, yeah, they say like, well, when the last apostle died, then all the supernatural things that they did died with it. Can I tell you this? Jesus is still alive. And as long as Jesus is alive, the day of miracles is not over. We still live in a supernatural realm. I want you to consider everything about the life of Christ. His birth was supernatural. His ministry was marked by miracles. Come on, somebody. His death, burial, and resurrection says supernatural. And the work that he does in our hearts, how many of you know there's nothing ordinary about that? The day of miracles is fully alive because Jesus is here. In fact, I want you to consider this. How many of you can tell firsthand of the supernatural power of God in your life? Oh, yes, indeed. How many of you, you were saved, and the fact that you are serving God right now is a bona fide miracle? Yeah, you ever come to, I I hear this all the time. There are people that come to this church, and they look up, and they see one of their old running buddies. 
you know, back in the day, the BC days, the before Christ days, they look up in church and they see one of their old friends and they go over and they say, what in the world are you doing here? And they, the guy responds, I was getting ready to ask the same thing about you. Come on, how many of you, the fact that you're not dead or in jail is a miracle? Yeah, well, I thought about when I got married. <laughs> that was a miracle. Rachel calls it a mission field. I call it a miracle. Come on, somebody. The day of miracles is over. How many of you, God has healed you in your marriage? How many of you, God has set you free from an addiction, some sort of bondage or stronghold? How many of you, God has rescued your children? Maybe they were wandering and wayward and far from God, but he brought them back home. Mm -mm. You know, I consider this healing place church, healing place church. The name on the sign says something about the values that we have in this house. This is a place of faith. Can I have a good amen? We believe that God changes people, that God heals people, that God saves people and he sets them free. If you're in need of a miracle today, I'm telling you, you're in the right place. In fact, let me say this. The one common, boy, I'm preaching all, I'm going to get to 2 Kings 5. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. But the one common denominator, do you know the one thing that all miracles have in common? Problems. Hello. If you don't have a problem, you don't need a miracle. <laughs> How many of you are a candidate today for a miracle? Maybe some of you would just need to lay hands and pray problems on your life. Come on, somebody. You see, the common denominator of every miracle is impossibility. If you're not up against the impossible, you don't need the supernatural. But I've got good news for you today. If you're facing something that's bigger than you, if you've got a situation in your life that you don't know what to do, I promise you, this whole thing about Jesus, you know, sometimes we think, well, it's just too good to be true. Listen to me. Nothing about Jesus is ever too good to be true. Come on, put your hands together if you believe that. All right, let's get into 2 Kings 5. This is the, the story of Naaman, how how God healed Naaman. And if you're taking notes, I've given the title of this message. I'm calling it the Big Dipper. The Big Dipper. We'll find out what that means in just a moment. 2 Kings 5, verse 1. The king of Aram, or modern-day Syria, the king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman. Naaman was the commander of his army because through him the Lord had given Aram great victories. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. Everybody say leprosy. Many of you know that that disease in the ancient world was uncurable. It was a skin disease that would eat away at your flesh. Naaman, though he was a courageous, valiant warrior in the Syrian army, the Bible identifies him as a man who suffered from leprosy. Verse 2, at this time, the Aramean raiders had invaded the land of Israel. Now, Syria and Israel, they were enemies. They were fighting. And the Bible says that the Syrian raiders had invaded the land of Israel. And among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. So get, get this. This little Hebrew girl has been taken captive and brought to a foreign land. And now she is serving Naaman's wife 
as a maid. The Bible says one day this girl said to her mistress, she said, oh, I wish that my master would go to see the prophet in Samaria for he will heal him of his leprosy. Now, I want to stop right here and and identify a couple of things. I want to give you Naaman's resume, and we found that out in the first verse. I mean, he was the captain of this great army. The Bible says he was a valiant warrior. Naaman had important friends. The king of Syria had such great admiration for Naaman because of all the victories that he had brought to their country. The Bible says that Naaman was wealthy. Uh, He had a home with servants that served him. Um, So he had all these things going for him. He could take credit for everything in his life except for one. There's, There's an episode we're about to read here that did not come by his own strength, his own ability, uh, his own resume, but simply the grace of God. What Naaman needed the most, he deserved the least. Can I have a good amen? I want you to see the second, now shift gears here. The Bible introduces this little Hebrew servant girl. Uh, It's interesting to me that the whole miracle that takes place in Naaman's life is because of this little girl. The Bible gives her no name. Bible says that she was simply in one of the raids or wars between Syria and Israel. She was simply taken as a captive. She was held hostage, separated from her family. Now get this, all right, get this. This is powerful. Naaman was the embodiment of everything that was painful to this girl. Some scholars think that Naaman is responsible for separating this girl from her family, killing her parents, and taking her back as a captive. And she is served. Now, she didn't get bitter. Let me ask you this. Can you look at your pain and still embrace God's purpose? Here she has compassion on Naaman. She's not me. I'm, I'm thinking, man, if I'm this girl and I see that Naaman has leprosy, I'm thinking, fine, you deserve it. Come on now. Thinking, man, you, you, you got what's coming to you. You treat me like that. You have no idea what you've caused in my life. And yet this girl, from a place of pain, she has compassion. She said, oh, that my master would go to Samaria and talk to the prophet. If he could just get to the prophet, I'm convinced that that prophet could bring healing in Naaman's body. The first thing I want you to write down, number one, when it comes to, I'm going to give you the recipe for a miracle, okay? There's certain ingredients, okay? Certain components of the supernatural. Number one, you got to get low. You got to get low. Somebody say humility, you got to humble yourself. I want you to see how this almighty, all-powerful captain of the army has to listen to a little humble Hebrew servant slave. You know, there's something about humility that endears the presence of God. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, God resists the proud, but he does what? He gives grace to the humble. You know what, don't, don't look at your pain and, and curse your pain, rehearse your pain, or nurse your pain. If you'll humble yourself before God, you can reverse your pain. If, you, if you'll just go low, God can go high. You see, anybody who ever placed themselves at the feet of Jesus always got what they were looking for. You see, Naaman was this high and mighty warrior with an incredible resume, but he had to humble himself if he was going to walk in a miracle. 
If you're going to experience a touch from God, I want to tell you this, you're going to have to go low. It's all about making Jesus famous. Can I have a good amen? And I think this is important. You know, we, we need to teach about it, talk about it, and walk in it. But a spirit of humility. You know, uh, the, the last time I checked, we're supposed to be about making Jesus famous. Man, the only celebrity in this thing is Jesus and him alone. If Jesus is famous, then I'm okay to be anonymous. Come on, somebody. I'm not trying to make a name for myself. I'm trying to make great the name of the Lord. Everybody say humility. If you need a miracle, if you're trusting God for something supernatural, humble yourself before him. Bible says in verse 5, the king of Aram tells Naaman, he says, go and visit the prophet. Go, go, go. This little girl says that that you need to go to Samaria, that there's a a prophet that can heal you. Well, go. Go visit this prophet, and I'll send a letter of introduction for you directly to the king of Israel. So Naaman started out carrying as gifts 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. And, And now notice what's happening here. The girl said, go to Samaria and see the prophet. But Naaman is going to the king. Listen, you you can't go in the realm of politics to get something supernatural. And and, and this is not a slight on on any, uh, thank God for education, thank God for health care, thank God for government. But you know what? The source of the supernatural is God and God alone. Now, God works through these environments, and I'm thankful for godly men and women who serve in them. But quit looking to man for something only God can give. Not only does he go to the king, but he goes with a letter from his king, and he comes with some stuff. He's got 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's more money than your mama's got. (laughs) He's bringing some bling. He's bringing about $1.2 million with him. He's got a letter from the king, and he's got all this money and all this stuff. And look what it says. And let me just kind of, I want to scale this a little bit. He goes to the king of Israel, and the king of Israel is like, oh, my goodness, what are you doing here? Are you trying to pick a fight? There's no way I can heal you of your leprosy. I don't want your money. And he tears his clothes. How many of you know man at his best cannot help you? Doesn't matter position or power or, or, or profit. Man at his best cannot help you. So he, uh, Elisha hears of this and says, oh, send him to me. Send it. Listen, if you're going to find the answers you're looking for, you got to go to the right place. Go to the right place. And so here comes Naaman with all of his entourage. Verse 9, Naaman went with his horses and chariots, and he waits at the door of Elisha's house. Verse 10, but Elisha sent a messenger. Somebody say messenger. This is key. Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. Now check this out. It took a little humble Hebrew servant girl to tell Naaman, hey, there's a prophet. Naaman had to humble himself. But he didn't learn the lesson because he came with his entourage. He came with a letter. He came with all of his money. And now he's going to the prophet's house. Guess what? Knocked on the door. Prophet didn't even answer. 
he sent a messenger. See, this whole story takes place because of servants. I mean, Naaman doesn't even know about Elisha if it weren't for that servant girl at his house. And now God's trying to reinforce this lesson to Naaman. Humble yourself, my man. Humble yourself. I don't care what you've accomplished or what you've achieved or how great everybody thinks you are. So he, Elisha sends his servant to the door and says, listen, go on down to the Jordan River and dip seven times. Number two, write this down. Leave your hustle at home. Leave your hustle at the house. This is about surrender. Listen, God doesn't need your achievements. Man, God's not impressed with your resume. You know, religion is trying to earn your way into right standing with God. And this is where a lot of times we get confused. You know, we, get, we, we think we have to earn, we have to work, we have to do, and eventually we'll get God's approval. When God says, you don't even understand the gospel. It's not about what you do, it's about what I've done for you. Listen, it's about God sending Jesus to this earth to suffer, to bleed, and to die, taking all of our sins upon himself. He was buried in that tomb, and three days later, guess what? Everything that is pertaining to your salvation was accomplished by Jesus on the cross. Every other religion in the world is is works-based. In fact, I I say this, you spell religion D-O, but you spell relationship D-O-N-E, done. Jesus died on the cross. He said, it is finished. This is the simplicity of the gospel. Don't make it harder than what it is. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. Can I tell you, nobody in this room can take credit for their salvation. You can't. Paul said, if you want to brag, if you want to boast, brag on the cross of Jesus Christ. You know, the only thing we contribute to our salvation is the sin that makes it necessary. That's the only thing I contributed to my salvation. I made the mess. Guess what? And sometimes we can't clean up what we've messed up. Are you with me? Come on, you either are a mess, you were a mess, are you one bad decision away from making a mess? <laughs> I'm reminded of a story I read recently. There were two brothers. They were evil, just evil, wicked brothers, but they were extremely rich. They attended the same church, and on the surface, they appeared to be good people. One of the brothers suddenly died. The remaining brother sought out the pastor and handed this pastor a large donation. He said, I'm going to give this to you on one condition. At the funeral, you have to say that my brother was a saint. So the pastor agreed. He took the check, and he immediately deposited in the bank. At the funeral, everybody was gathered, and the pastor said, this man was evil. He was wicked. He lied. He stole. He cheated people. But compared to his brother, he was a saint. How many of you know you don't earn a miracle? You, can't, you don't deserve a miracle, and you cannot buy a miracle. 
A miracle, you, you can't buy the work of God. And Naaman is coming with all this entourage and this resource and God's saying, no, 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 surrender, leave your hustle at the house. I don't need it here. Now look at what it says, verse 11. But Naaman became angry and he stalked away. I thought, somebody say I thought. I thought, I thought he would certainly come out to meet me. I expected, somebody say I expected. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord his God and heal me. Now listen, Naaman is insulted. He's like, look, when I came to your house, I expected to be received. You insult me by sending some little messenger to, uh, look, I had an expectation that you were going to wave your hands over the leprosy. How many of you know sometimes we'll place expectations on God? God, if you're going to move in my life, it has to be this way. God, if it steps beyond the realm of our understanding, sometimes we have a problem. But you want me to do what? Look at what it says. He's having such a problem with this. It says, verse 12, aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Abana and the Farpar, aren't they better than any rivers in Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned and went away in rage. He said, listen, number one, you've already insulted me. Number two, the Jordan River? That's dirty. It's nasty. Why would I want to dip in the Jordan? There's nothing clean about that river. I'm trying to be cleansed. You see, he had already made up his mind the way that this miracle was supposed to happen. Sometimes we don't receive what God's trying to give us because it doesn't meet our expectations. God saying, Naaman, I love you. I care about you. Man, you're going to have to lay some things. That First of all, you got to humble yourself. Second of all, you're going to have to surrender. And third of all, it's this thing called faith. Number three, don't put God in a box. Do not box God in. Well, God, I prayed for this, and it didn't happen. Well, God's moving, but maybe he's not moving the way you expect him to. Naaman said, I thought, I expected. Aren't these other rivers cleaner than that dirty old Jordan River? Man, I'm not dipping in the Jordan River. This thing is weird, just weird. How many of you know Jesus is famous for doing things a little weird? How many ever invited a friend to church on a Sunday and you're just praying <laughs> that the pastor doesn't do anything weird? <laughs> oh, Lord, let this be a good Sunday. Let worship go really good. I want them to sing my favorite. Oh, pastor, please don't do anything weird. Too late. <laughs> I told you last week I tried being normal once. Worst two minutes of my life. It was awful. God does some things that are unconventional. And if we're not careful, we put him in a box and we only allow God to move according to our expectation. Can I say this to you, beloved? God is bigger than the box that you've placed him in. He's bigger than your thoughts. Listen to me. He's bigger than your feelings. Watch this. He's bigger than your comforts. How many know God sometimes will stretch you and force you to move outside of what you're comfortable? No, 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 I thought, I expected. I want you to just wave your hand. 
God, just kind of do the, the hand-waving thing. I'm, I'll submit to that if I understand it. Listen to me. If understanding, watch this. If understanding was a prerequisite for a miracle, you'll never get a miracle because God can only be as big as your brain. But God is bigger than our understanding. You know what? It's amazing to me how we embrace things we don't understand all the time. How many of you got in a car today? You put that key in the ignition and you turned it, it started, and you drove all the way here today. Listen, I don't understand the first thing about cars. I don't. I don't have a clue. In fact, if I'm ever stranded on the side of the road, if you see me stranded on the side of the road, I'm going to have my, my, the hood of my car popped up. I don't know why I'm going to do that, but I'm gonna pop. it's just kind of the thing to do. Maybe because I want somebody like you to feel sorry for me. Come on, somebody. And help a brother out. You say, wait, wait a second, Mike. Are you telling me that you drove to church and you don't understand everything about cars? Yes. When I get sick, I take medicine. I don't understand how I can have a, 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 a migraine headache, a piercing pain in my head. I can take a pill. It goes in my mouth and down my stomach. I don't know. How does that little thing work in my body to get at this right here? You with me? I don't understand everything about medicine, but it doesn't keep me from going to the doctor when I get sick. Can I have a good amen? Women. And all of the fellas said, <laughs> ladies, we love you. We do. You're amazing. Woo! We don't always understand you, but we love you. When we know something is wrong, we know it. And we say, baby, is there anything wrong? And you say, oh, it's nothing. I'm learning about that. Oh, it's nothing. You know what it means? So, fellas, it means something is very wrong. It's all your fault, and it's up to you to figure out what you've done. I don't understand anything about women, but, man, I've been married for 23 years. I got two daughters that are going to have my last name for a long, 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 long time. Why is it when it comes to the things of God, listen to me, why is it that when it comes to the supernatural, we feel like we have to understand everything before we receive it? If you're requiring to understand what God does, you're not going to get the best of what God gives. That's why it's called a miracle, because it doesn't make sense. God requires our obedience and not our understanding. Some of you are going to need to just step out in faith, even though you don't feel it, even though you don't understand it, but simply because God said it. And if God is good and he wants to give you what only he can give, you got to humble yourself. You've got to surrender, and then you got to step out in faith. Can I have a good amen? Mm -mm. Verse 13, here's what his officers say. Verse 13 but his officers tried to reason with him. Again, God is using servants in Naaman's life. First, it's the Hebrew slave. Then it was Elisha's messenger. And now it's the servants of Naaman. His officers said, listen, sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So 
should you certainly obey him when he says simply go and wash and be cured? So Naaman went down to the, to the Jordan River. And what did he do? He dipped himself seven times. Just as the man of God had instructed him, and his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. Can I have a good amen? Come on, can you put your hands together? Now, let me ask the band to come up because I want to pray for some people. The Bible says that Naaman had to dip seven times. Everybody say seven. Why is that important? You know what the number seven represents in Scripture, do you not? It's the number of completion. It's the number of perfection. God was saying, listen, if you'll obey me completely. How many know when God gives a miracle, he doesn't just kind of, uh, you know, Amazon Prime you the quickest thing that he's got, hoping that it works. He's saying, if you will obey me fully, I'll take care of you completely. Don't stop short. Finish, reach the finish line of your commitments. The Bible says Naaman had to dip seven times. Now think about this. The very first day, he's in this dirty Jordan River. Dirty, muddy. I almost called this message a, a miracle in mud. Because it's messy sometimes. Some of you are in a messy place in your life. He goes into this muddy, messy Jordan River. And I've been in the Jordan. Some of you that have been to the Holy Land, and when I read this again, boy, I got so fired up because I went back to that very place, the Jordan River. And it is. Nothing pretty about it. Naaman dips the first time. Nothing happened. He had to dip again. Still, no sign of healing. He dips a third time. He starts to get discouraged. He dips the, a fourth time, and he's starting to lose hope. He dips the fifth time, and he's beginning to question himself and how crazy this whole scenario is. He dips the sixth time, and still, filled with leprosy, some of you have been dipping time after time after time after time, and you still don't see any change. Listen to me. Keep on dipping. Don't stop dipping. You've got to persevere in the promise of God. You've got to dip into his word, dip into worship, dip into prayer, dip into covenant relationship with others. You've got to hold on to the promise. Don't start dipping. Don't stop dipping, dipping into his presence, dipping into church, leaning into his promises. Keep dipping because on the seventh time, see, some of you are at six and you're about to give up because you don't see anything changing. God says, listen, I got something for you. It is going to blow you your mind if you just trust me if you just persevere if you just believe finally he went down on that seventh time and he came back up something has changed the bible says his skin was like that of a child like a brand new baby you ever seen the skin of a baby you just want to get in kiss all that just kiss it love it touch it hug it feel it here, this rugged warrior. That's all he's known as war. He's a pagan. He's not even a believer. And he comes up out of the water the seventh time. And his physical appearance is different. And he is so radically changed in his appearance that something happens in his soul. Come on now. 
Something happened on the inside. He said, now I know. The one true God who's alive is not inside. It's the God of these Hebrews. And this is what he says. He goes back to Elisha, and he's still trying to give him money. Hey, please, man, I'm healed. Take it all. Take all the gold, all the silver, man, all these clothes. And Elisha said, nope, 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 nope. You can't buy a miracle. Nope, nope, nope. It, it's a gift. It's called grace. And, and this is what Naaman says. He says, well, listen, I respect that, but please allow me to take the dirt from this soil. Allow me to pack my mules with dirt from this place. So when I go back to my country, every time I see that dirt, I'm reminded of the supernatural hand of God. You see, the dirt he despised in the Jordan River ultimately became the dirt he could not leave without. And every time he looked at it, he was reminded of the faithfulness of God. Let me ask you this. Do you need a miracle today? Are you facing an impossibility today? The God that I serve says, keep dipping. Don't, don't give up. Hey, 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 if you'll just obey. Watch this, and then I want to pray for people, okay? Because some of you have prayed before. This is not manipulation. I'm not trying to pressure anybody. I know that even in this moment, there's hesitation for some of you. Because you're thinking, man, I've come up before. I've prayed before. I've had people lay hands on me before, and nothing has happened. If you'll just keep dipping. Our responsibility is to obey. It's God's responsibility to heal. Let's just do this. Let's leave all outcomes on God. And if you haven't gotten your miracle yet, you know what? You just keep dipping. I'm just tr I'm humbling myself. I'm surrendered before the Lord. I'm stepping out in faith. But guess what? I am not giving up on that wayward child. I'm not giving up on that marriage. I'm not giving up on this, this there's healing that needs to take place in this body. Just keep dipping. Can I have a good amen? Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit HealingPlaceChurch.org.